Acts chapter 2, um, we're looking at verses 46 through 47a. And when I say 47a, the first part of 47, sometimes you might see in some references that will say a verse in the A or the B or the C part. What's the, the portion of whatever verse that is? That's what it's referring to. So quick summary coming up to this. In Acts chapter 1, the Lord Jesus Christ told them and reminded them that he was going away and that he would give them power or ability to testify or be his witness everywhere. Okay, And they, hearing this, they were gawking up into heaven and those angels said, what are you doing? The Lord's coming back. Do what he told you to do. So they went to back to Jerusalem and they were in the upper room there and they had a business meeting they they appointed an officer and and we know that the church was local there and because and the church was already there because the Lord uh, placed first apostles in the church so to have an apostle then one must have a church um, you can't put water in a cup and have no cup you know what I mean so it just makes sense that the Lord's assembly was already there in Acts chapter 1 1 chapter 2 and continuing in those things that they were supposed to be doing they were in the temple they were praising God and, uh, and, and, and excuse me, they were still in that upper room and the, they were in one court in one place. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They were speaking in tongues and everything noised abroad. Well, they were telling people the wonderful works of God in all manner of languages. Peter comes along in his address and explains what was going on by those tongues. And then he explained to them what happened at Calvary, how that Jesus Christ was indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, that one sent from God to save his people from their sins. In a full-blown panic, these people, uh, they recognized that by their wicked hands, they had slain the Son of God. They asked the question, men and brethren, what do we do? Peter told them to repent. And with many other words, it says uh, in, uh, in verse 40, with many other words, did he testify and exhort or encourage them, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. They that gladly received the word were baptized, and there's about 3,000 of them, now 3,120. And because of the scenario there, people coming from from all over the place, now in Jerusalem, they, they picked up their roots, you could say, and now they're here, their lives were changed. Uh, they sold everything, made everything common, and everybody was living as, truly as a single group. So now in verse 40, verses 46 through 47a, we continue, and they continuing, the they wasn't just 120, nor was it just the, the 12, the they was the 3,000, about 3,000 and 120, so the entire group, okay? And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So Brother Gary mentioned in his prayer that the B part of that verse, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's a separate message. We'll address that at another time. We'll go down through the first part of that verse. So the, the, the title to this this message this morning is continuing daily, continuing daily. That word continue, um, it's the definition of it is deeper than just keep on keeping on, although we could say that they kept on kept keeping on. The definition of continuing is to adhere to, uh, being devoted to and constant, keeping it. Um, you, you might think of such things as like when, when you were a child, you pledged allegiance to the flag, even though you might not have understood fully what it meant. That, you, that one will be devoted to, to the things behind the flag, that people would be devoted to the patriotism and to this nation, uh, and one nation of singleness of heart, you might say, through, through that pledge. 
But they, according to the gospel and according to the, the baptism that they had in that, that, that church, they continued, or they, they adhered to those things. They were devoted and constant in those things, which means they had to leave behind their adherence and devotion to everything else that they brought unto Jerusalem when they came. Um, they had to leave behind their, 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 uh, their, their ceremony. They had to leave behind their legalism. They had to leave behind... Many of them, their, fan, their, their friends and family and loved ones, their lives, they, they, they did not adhere to this present world, but they adhered to those things that, that Peter preached unto them, true repentance, and adhered to, to those many other words. He said in verse 38 again, then Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins. They, they, did, they no longer adhere to their self-righteousness. They were now continuing or adhering to the things pertaining to God and their forgiveness of sins. Uh, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as, the Lord, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So this was a brand new concept also that they were adhering to. And, and, and some of them readily and some of them maybe not so readily now adhering that God Almighty was saving Jew and Gentile. Okay, because remember we read of the proselytes or those that had converted to Judaism, yet being Gentiles earlier in chapter two. So how can God express or 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 express His love or have a love toward Jew and Gentile? Well, that was a belief that they simply did not have before, but now seeing the work of God, they now continued in that as well to as many as are near and as afar off. And many other words did He testify and exhort, saying, "Save yourselves from this undoored generation." You can also see that they continued or adhered to the untoward generation. It's very rare that someone would confess that they adhere to or that they devote themselves to an untoward generation or a perverse generation. This world is full of perversity, even religious perversity. And that's who they were when they gathered there. They had by wicked hands crucified and slain the Son of God. They were the ungodly generation, the untoward, the perverse generation. But now by the work of God, they no longer adhered to that stuff. They now adhered to the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. That word continue also means they were steadfastly attentive. They were giving unremittent care to these things. Meaning that as others gave pronouncements against their new belief, against, the, against their new gladness, against their new hope and expectation in Jesus Christ, they were unwavering in those things that they gladly received. They were preserved and feigning that not. And I believe uh, that, that that's another translation of that word continue. Preserved and feigning not continuing. And I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I really do. They were not, they were not deterred by any wind of doctrine. And they, they were not pulled aside by those who were still of the untoward generation, of the religiously unsaved, and being drawn back into that, that, that shadowy world of, of religion. But no, they being saved by the power of God continued in this belief that they had that Jesus Christ had saved their sin, saved them from their sins, that forgiveness of sins came in his death, burial, and resurrection. They showed themselves courageous, and boy, did they. they uh, you know, 3,000 people don't do anything lightly, specifically standing in the temple. It says they continued, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Okay? So this was no small scene. This was a big scene. So for them to continue in these things in the face of opposition... And that opposition, those that had not repented, were of those that had crucified and slain the Son of God. 
Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 15. Please turn there just for a moment. And he directed these words to his apostles, but these things must have have at least run through the minds of the people that were there. In verse 18, chapter 15 and verse 18, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So as they stood there in the temple, continuing daily in one accord, they, they had opposition. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, and they did so unto death, they will also persecute you. So they did. They were in the temple daily, continuing in one accord gladly, but they did that in opposition. If they had kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all things they will do unto you for my, uh, for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Verse Chapter 16, verse 1, These things I have spoken unto you, that you should not be offended or, or pushed out of the way. They shall put you out of the synagogue. Well, how can they put you out of the synagogue if they weren't in the synagogue? So they were in the synagogues. They were testifying of the things of Christ. But the promise of Jesus Christ was that as they did so, that there would be opposition. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. So as these people continued daily in the temple, they did so. And I believe that there was some opposition. And we'll, we'll read that in just a moment. But I also believe that they did this fearlessly, and they did this with a devotion and, and with, with courage of heart in, for the gospel's sake. And just as Paul, when he turned on that staircase to tell those people one more time of the saving grace of God in his life, these people, I believe, were not there simply to agitate and to be mean, but they were there desiring to see souls saved, knowing that they were just the same case, just days if not moments before they did so daily, and they continued in the Lord daily in each item. They, they continued daily. The Lord's promise, look in Matthew chapter 28. This, this is a promise throughout the ages. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, And he came and spake unto them, saying, All power or all authority or ability is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. I believe that that testifies of chain link succession throughout all the ages of the Lord's assembly, outside of Rome and outside of the harlot daughters. I, I believe that teaches the local church. Amen. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And sometimes we can get lost in the idea of with you always in a broad, that broad sense. But the, the promise I am with you always means I am with you day by day. Okay, so they continued day by day. They continued daily. The promise of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Yes, it's a it's a long view promise, but it's fulfilled moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. So they continued daily and it and, and continuing daily. They didn't do this in a universal sense. They did it in a local sense. They continued daily. Notice they did it in a local sense. They continue daily with one accord or one purpose of mind, but where were they? They were in the temple, right? They, they, this, wasn't, this wasn't a universal thing. This was inside a room kind of a thing. So it was, it was a local sense that they were fulfilling those things that the Lord Jesus Christ had promised. So we are to fulfill this daily. We are to, just as much as they continue daily, we are to continue daily. We're to continue daily in our devotion to the God who saved us from our sins. We're to continue steadfastly and attentively and unremitting care to do those things that God Almighty, Jesus Christ in the flesh, has told us to do. 
being preserved by his power and by his grace through the Spirit of God. We're to faint not, children of God, and continue daily. We're to, we're to do these things in constant readiness. They were, they were there every day. And as they were there every day, maybe they were having similar experiences. Maybe they were having different experiences. Maybe they were talking to the same people every day. Maybe they weren't. But in constant readiness, able to tell every man of that hope that lied within them with great courage and great steadfastness. What an encouragement it is to see these people, these new converts, knowing little more than Jesus Christ that saved them from their sins, and yet continuing daily in the face of opposition with gladness uh, and, and, and what wonderful testimony. May, may these things be reflected in our lives today. Again, it says they were of one mind. They were, they were, that doesn't mean that they were robotic in a sense that, that they were all doing the same thing necessarily. But it means that they were unanimous in possessions, in passion, and in purpose. They were moving in the same direction. They were as ducklings following Mama Duck or, or, or goslings following Mother Goose. They were following the Lord, and the Lord had given his commandments to the apostles. Thus, they were followers of the apostles who were following the Lord. They were testifiers, the testimony of the Lord's assembly in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power or ability after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. I do not believe that the, that the ability that the Lord's assembly has is to promote, promote itself. I believe it's to promote the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. And in promoting the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are glad, that gladly receive that word are baptized and added unto that assembly. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. So I believe that is the, the persistence of, of what the Lord's people, we should be all about. In Acts chapter 1, you notice that they were unanimous in all, in all things that they were doing. They were of one mind. In Acts chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, And when they were come in... They went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthias, and Matthew rather, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. With the women and with uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days stood, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said, and the number of names together were about 120. So they're together in one accord in one place, 120. They continued in chapter 2 and verse 1. And then the day of Pentecost was come, they were all with one accord in one place. They had their first controversy, the appointment of the 12th apostle there, uh, Matthias, and they, they survived it. They were still together in one accord in one place. Then there was that great message of, of repentance that Peter preached. And men and brethren, look in verse 38. Uh, then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Excuse me, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Who would baptize them? Would they go out into Jordan and have any old person do it? No, they would be baptized by those that had authority, those that were sent in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the, remember, salvation comes before that gift. The coming of the Holy Ghost was not salvation. One cannot repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ outside of salvation. And that repentance is a granting unto salvation, you see. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward genera generation. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. 
And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So now you have about 120 and about 3,000. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There is no, there's no branches off. There's no splinter cells. There's no uh, casting off into universalism. This one local body by authority through baptism has grown into a larger local body that has authoritative baptism. Yeah. And now being taught, we have our text there, they and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. That's the 3,120 about. Why would they all continue doing all these things? Well, if they had received such gifts as the Holy Spirit through, through the work of God in salvation, and they were granted repentance, they would much desire to see others share in the same. And so should it be every child of God who operates through the Lord's assembly. We should desire to see souls saved. And not for the building up of this building, but for the glory of God and for the rescue of their soul. That would be the desire of the child of God. I believe that was Peter's desire. I believe that was their desire as they continued, as they persevered daily in the temple, desiring to see souls saved. This is a local church ability, and it's not possible in a universal sense. They, they, could, not, uh, they could not achieve that in, in a universal sense at all. It was a local body function. There are certain things that happen in a local body and have to be done so with authority. And, 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 and the testimony of the gospel is such. He gave his people, again, we read in Matthew chapter 28. He says, and teaching whatsoever things I've commanded you. Well, who did he command? He commanded his church, right? So if there's other groups in a universal sense that are teaching things that they perceive are commanded, well, those things weren't commanded un, unto his people. I could say that I have a military directive and I, I could wage war on Koontz, but if I haven't received that directive from, from any authority, yeah. you know, from any, from any military authority, then that's me acting upon my own directives. Right. And, and while those, like we, like we studied in that likened to message year, uh, a few weeks ago, while there might be some similarities, uh, there's one group that Jesus Christ gave the directive of go. And it's good for every believer, what, wherever they go, wherever they are, to testify of those things that Jesus Christ has done for him. But the Lord's people specifically have the authoritative directive to go and to teach and to baptize and to continue in things that, that have been taught of Christ. And that's exactly what they were doing in the temple there. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians, please turn there just for a moment. 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll read verses... 14 through 18, if people believe what their societies teach, many of these societies are full of lost people. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. And what, excuse me, um, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, teaches the church, the local church at Corinth there uh, of, uh, with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So catch this, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he with, uh, that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And that word idols is important for this passage. An idol is a false representation of deity. So there's a lot of societies out there that they use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they use what they, uh, what they say is, is a, 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 a gospel, which is not a gospel, it's another gospel, which, and, and it, it, but it's an idol, it's a false representation of deity. 
So in a universal sense, one may say, well, maybe these, these people at, 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 in Jerusalem meeting in the temple, maybe they should have found common ground with those uh, there in the temple. And they, and they should have, have, have met with ideas and, and talked about how they could have worked together to bring, uh, bring all people unto Messiah and not split hairs over Jesus Christ that had just died and rose again was the actual Messiah. Well, Judaism had become idolatry. It was a false representation of deity, looking at it through the lens of of legalism. They were worshiping the law, and they were worshiping Moses, and they were worshiping the seed of Abraham rather than looking for Messiah. So what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Well, it's the same agreement that, uh, you know, if, if there was... If, if there were no if there were no idols in every assembly that said that they that they had authority and they had the gospel were true, then there's a whole bunch of different versions of who Jesus Christ is. That's right. And that's just false. Yep. I cannot have agreement with anything that came out of Rome, and I can't have anything that has agreement with an offspring of things that came out of Rome. Why? Because it's idolatry. That's right. These verses, uh, people look in First and Second Corinthians for, for proof uh, of a universal church. Well, Paul is actually discouraging that type of thing, isn't he? No, the Lord has his assembly, and everything else is idols. Yeah. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate. Come out from among who? He's talking to believers, but he's saying, come out from among those that that are walking in idolatry or in false representations, or even that have no authority in the things that they're doing. There were some people that tried to cast out some demons, the sons of Sceva, over in, uh, further in the book of Acts, and, and they were beat down, stripped naked, and sent off running, crying. Why? Because they didn't have any authority. Paul we know, and Jesus we know, who are you? So be ye separate, he says. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you should be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I believe that they continued in one mind, but they, while they continued together with one another, one purpose, one passion, all possessions common, that they were not, they were not integrated into the, uh, the, 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 the masses there in the temple. They continued in one accord, being separate in their continuation from everybody else there. Okay? They were among others, but they were not of others. The Lord Jesus Christ, again, John said, uh, chapter 15, said, you are not of the world. They were in the temple, but they were not of the world. They were in the temple. Again, 3,120 people thereabout, and 3,120 people can't do anything quietly. They really can't. Imagine this scene. Imagine in, 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 in the open, in the face of all the religiously unsaved people, the people, the type of people that they once were, the, the people that were there just 50 days before or so saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now they're face to face and intermingled with these people. And they didn't go in there with ball bags and chains, but they went in there with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they went in there with the message that God had used just, to, just earlier to save them from their sins. I believe they uh, very distinct, distinctly in the temple, daily, continuing, repeated much of what Peter said over and over again. Don't you repeat what was said to you in your salvation? What was said to me is look to Jesus. Paul said to that Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I believe that Philippian jailer must have said that a billion times the rest of his life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They repeated, I believe, in this open scene there in the temple, those things 
that which were testified concerning Christ that were that were consistent with what what um, what Peter had told them. But what was that? Your sinners, your sinners. Verse twenty-one. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how do you get that they're sinners? Well, a righteous man needs no rescue. A righteous man needs no deliverance. So they were preaching salvation unto the Jews. And they were preaching that salvation indeed would come to sinners. In Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, there, uh, a, a whole man needs no, needs no healing, right? Uh, a righteous man, a good man, need, need, needs no preservation. Luke chapter 2. In verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, Jew and Gentile. For unto you is born in this day the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Again, this is only good news to the sinner. This is only good news to those that are, that are out of the way. This is only good news to those that have desperate need. This is only good news to those that, that stand at condemnation. This is only good news to those that know by that wickedness and, and cruelty that they have despised the Lord's Christ and, and stand in, in, in worthy of God's judgment. This is only good news that he shall save those that call upon him to those who call upon him that see their desperate need. So they desired, they desired that souls be saved, but the desire of souls being saved necessitates the bad news. You're a sinner and you need salvation. I believe they preached that. They went to where the people were, didn't they? That's where in the temple, that's where the people were. Yes, they came together to worship the Lord first and foremost. They did that. They were praising God. Next, they came together and they, they provoked each other in love and good works. They continued steadfastly in accord. Somebody stepping out of accord, they'd bring them back in accord. Mm -hmm. Yet the work of the assembly here is, is demonstrated. Go ye. They went to where the people were. How limited would it have been if they would have gone back to that upper room or to someone's house and kept it there? How limited is our scope if we keep our scope in these four walls? Children of God, with this great continuance of our belief we are to go to where the people are and i thank god for the ministry of this church that that while there may be one or two cars that pass by and stop that there are thousands thousands i believe that see this this news and the lord does his work one way or the other That's right. but this church has a ministry how many thousands of people have read the gospel that that they're sinners that jesus christ saves and the word of god is true I thank God for that. We have that, that, that billboard in town and how many faces during parades or just on a daily basis are driving north of town and they see the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation is of the Lord. They see that. It means nothing to them, but they see it. As of Friday, as of 10-27-23, 53,312 messages have been played from our sermon audio. Now, I don't know how many of those people are the same repeat listeners. I really don't know. But the messages have been played. The gospel has been sent out. The word of the Lord goes forward. We are to continue daily, children of God. Go to where the people are. Yes, in your private, in your closet, pray and thank God. Worship God. Have, have personal study time and have personal devotional time. Go to where the people are and testify of what great things the Lord has done for you. That's what they were doing in verse 26. Go to the people. The Lord's business is who he saves. That's his business. Go to the people. Of this 3,120 people, they were, they were probably all different. Don't you think so? 
I mean, there, we, we have a small, much smaller group than 3,120 here, but we're very different. We're, we're different. We're uh, personality types, styles of speech, approach, approaches in conversation, you know, how we think. You know, Brother Adam and I, we're, we're left-handed, so we, we approach life backwards. <laughs> so, so the, the, the just, but, but the Lord has considerations for all that. That's right. You know, whenever, when, when they were continuing daily, it's not like somebody said in, earlier in chapter 2, well, Peter, you know, if you'd have been just a little bit different, maybe the Lord would have saved 5,000 and not 3,000. No, the Lord saves his people from their sins. And he uses the means of the gospel, not the means of my personality. If you're saved because of my personality, you're, you're desperate without hope. But he's saved by the means of the gospel. The Lord doesn't save by means of speech or persuasion. If he did, Nineveh would have been destroyed and utterly destroyed, wouldn't he? He saves by the means of the presentation of the gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. In Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've heard that already this morning, haven't we? What a blessed passage from Joel chapter 2. How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or without a testifier, a crier? So back in old time, they'd send out the crier, the king. They'd come up with the king's message. They'd stand up on a stump and say, Hear ye, hear ye, the word of the king. Well, that's what the children of God are to do. Hear ye, hear ye, the word of the king. Repent and believe the gospel. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Well, the Lord said, Go ye, you officially have been sent. If you're a member of his assembly, you by the authority and command of God, command of God, have been told, you have been sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Again, that's none of our business. It wasn't their business in Acts chapter 2. It's none of my business. For Isaiah say, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith comes, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So these men, children of God, being a member of the Lord's church, you have been sent. And that sounds like, oh, wow, there's, there's just a few of us. There's just a handful of us. Why, why us? Why me? Well, that's, again, the Lord's business. He adds daily. Look at this. And the Lord added daily to the church. And the, 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 the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I don't know why the Lord added me to his assembly. I don't know why he added you to his assembly other than to bring him glory. Why not someone else? Why not thousands of else? Why, why not this entire community? Why not every saved person within 100 miles of this place? That's his business. That's his business. Why did he call Noah not everyone else in the world? That's his business. May we bring glory and honor unto him continuing daily in those things that the Lord has called us to do. In the breaking of bread, house to house, there's at least two different ideas on this. Uh, the first is that this is the early uh, version of the Lord's Supper. And I believe in breaking bread. It says they continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. I believe the breaking bread means the same thing here as it did in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread. I believe that they were taking the Lord's Supper here. I really do. Because most of these people were Jews, I believe that they were taking it uh, house to house. And it would have been reflective of their idea of Passover. 
in the Exodus. Okay, So in Exodus chapter 12, remember what was going on there. There had been nine plagues that brought no deliverance unto the children of God. But this tenth, this last plague, the plague of death, was going to bring deliverance of the children of God out, uh, uh, out of Egypt. Right? So I believe when, when they were given the Lord's Supper that the apostles taught them that the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as it says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, do this, do this, showing the Lord's death until he come. They were expecting his imminent return, their exodus, if you will, out of this world. Okay, So they were continuing. And how did they observe the, the Passover back in Exodus chapter 12? Didn't they go every man to his house and slay every man his lamb and every man paint the, the doorpost with blood so that when, when the death angel came, when the Lord himself came, that, that the plague would be stayed? So I believe that they were, as, as with a Jewish background, that they were holding the Lord's Supper in their houses privately. So why, why is that important? Well, Paul actually taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you look at it closely, he taught that they were to come together to take the Lord's Supper and not do it in a private sense, but in a corporate sense. Look, in, if you would please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So they, they were growing in these things, you see. Just because, they, just because they were that early church, it doesn't mean they had it all figured out. When the Lord administered his supper, he did it in the upper room, didn't he? And he did it locally and corporately. He didn't say every apostle go out into their, into their own separate house and do these things. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he's encouraging them and starting reading in verse 17. Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there will be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So these divisions, is that continuing in one accord in one place? No, it's division. It's the opposite. For there must be also heresies among you. For, so for there to be division, there's controversy, there's heresy, there's, there's splintering off from the truth. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He's not commanding them not to come together for the Lord's Supper. He's saying when you come together, you're not doing it right. That's right. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. There's divisiveness there. There's preference of one before another. He says, What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, the local assembly, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I not praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which... I delivered unto you. And he gives them the directions of the Lord's Supper there. And he says in verse 26, for as, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And then he says, he gives them uh, uh, directions there not to examine themselves. And then he says in verse 30, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. For if we, judge our, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, or when you come together for the supper, tarry one for another, or do it in singleness, that you do looking out for one another, that you examine one another, and you do it appropriately. But I want you to see, he says, come together. They're speaking concerning the Lord's Supper. It's a local, visible, authoritative ordinance done within the Lord's assembly. So they were doing it house to house, and it was consistent with their belief and, and their ideas of what Passover was. Okay, But, but you see that the, the Lord's Supper is a, a local bodily um, 
uh, ordinance. Uh, during COVID, there were people that were ordering Lord's Supper kits off Amazon, and they were doing every man in, a, in his own house. That's not how you partake the Lord's Supper. Um, it's done in the assembly. It's administered in the assembly. And if you're not assembled, you're not in the assembly. So the second form of, of idea that they were continuing house to house uh, in, in, in their bread would be in fellowship. And I believe while this is true, that that's not what he's getting at here. That they did have fellowship and they did continue with one another. But I, but I believe, again, that this, there's a deeper meaning, that they were anticipating the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, these folks, again, expected a, a, the, the true exodus, a, a real exodus from Roman rule any moment. In Acts chapter 1 and uh, in verse 6, when they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom again, uh, again, restore again the kingdom to Israel? Will you take us out of Roman rule? Will you dispose of, of all this Caesary and all this kind of stuff? Will you, will, you, will you make your kingdom, will you rule as you have promised with a rod of iron from the throne of David and dispel all our enemies and it be just the most glorious kingdom that we've been anticipating from the time of the promises of the, of the prophets and the fathers? Are you doing it now, Lord? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. It's going to happen but I'm not going to tell you when. So they expected at any moment. But ye shall receive power or ability after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. They expected that present kingdom any moment, that exodus from Romish rule that, that, and, and that, the incoming of, of Christ as king. I believe they anticipated it moment by moment. If you, were, if you were to look over in Luke chapter 24, it says that they went to the temple with all joy, blessing God and daily praising him in the temple. I believe they continued in that. When they ate their meat, they ate their food, it says, look, in, and again in verse, in, uh, verse 46, and they, continu- they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They ate their meat. They, they ate of the Lord's table. They, they ate of fellowship, but they ate with gladness thankfulness toward God. Think about how sweet that how sweet that meat must have been, uh, specifically if you consider that it was uh, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper that they were taking, that that, 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 that wine was a picture of, of his sinless blood, and, and that, uh, that bread was a picture of his perfect humanity that, 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 that was given for their, for their souls. And, and when they cried out, being, being pricked in their hearts, men and brethren, what do we do? That with gladness of heart, they knew that Jesus Christ had died for them. What thankfulness of, uh, toward God that, that he had saved them from that untoward generation, that he had saved them from their sins, that the remission or forgiveness of sins had come. For his mercy they were thankful. For his grace they were th- thankful. For, for being granted repentance they were thankful. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 18, you get a, a little idea of that thankfulness uh, toward repentance. When they heard that the Gentiles, that Cornelius' house that had been saved, when they heard these things, who? Those Jews. They held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then God, then hath God also, circle that word or mark it or pen it or something, also to the Gentiles granted 
repentance unto life. They believed that God granted them repentance. Not that they earned it. Not that they figured it out. Not that they were smart enough and studied it out. But God had granted them repentance. And they truly were thankful. That God had given it to them to call upon the name of the Lord that they should be saved. And yes, they were thankful. They were thankful. In their continuation, being thankful, they knew that God was likewise able to save others and grant repentance to others. That's why they continued daily. They, with gladness, they took their meat. With gladness, they ate. With gladness, uh, they perceived the Lord's body. And with gladness, they they understood uh, the elements of the Lord's blood for their for their justification. How that he would by by uh, by by wicked hands was crucified and slain, but all according to the the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that Jesus Christ is both Lord and Christ and made so by God Almighty throughout all the ages. How, how, how glad and how wonderful, what, what gladness and what thankfulness they, they certainly had in their table. Well, what gladness do we have in ours? It should be reflective of God's grace. How thankful the children of God ought to be being saved by the grace of God. In, you look in Philippians chapter 4. Please look in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, everything with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, that the, the state of the soul assured by the finished work of Jesus Christ, which, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Truly, the peace of God, the grace of God, all relative and pointing to thankfulness, with thankfulness toward God in all manner of circumstances. I'm sure their meat was received with all gladness. They received their meat, they took their meat with gladness and with singleness of heart. That word singleness means simplicity or smoothness. They, they did so with sincerity and without hypocrisy and, and with openness before God and man. It, 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 was, it was genuine, heartfelt gladness and love toward God and love toward their neighbor. That's how they continued day by day in their lives, in the temple, in their houses, and among all those. It says that they were praising God and having favor among all men, all the people. They were praising God. That is to greatly extol or honor, give give worship unto. It also means to recommend unto others. If I say, hey, look, have you tried this new burger joint down here? It's, it's you know, you, you ought to try it. Well, in my praise of their stuff, I'm also recommending you that you go, go, go have part of it, right? So if I'm truly praising God, I would, I would speak of him in such a way and I would live after him in such a way that I would also be recommending him to others. And I believe that's exactly what they were doing. They continued daily recommending God Almighty, Jesus Christ, to call upon the name of Jesus Christ unto the salvation of the soul. And I believe they did that daily. How often do I fail at this? Being weighed down by feeling circumstance and just pure laziness. I, I do not live a life of praising God, but they daily were praising God. Often, sadly, my recommendations are draped with this robe of sinful flesh. And somebody would say, well, what kind of miserable God must he serve that he would behave in such a way? But I believe I ought to be more like Solomon's men in 1 Kings chapter 10. Who that, 
that, that, that woman, she saw them. Happy are thy servants who, who are daily at, at your side to hear of your wisdom, to wait upon you. The God of my salvation, I truly should, should be praising him in all things, recommending him in all things. Now, I spoke of a burger joint. Sometimes we get more excited about pizza and hamburgers than we do of the grace of God. Sometimes we get more excited about football games and, and politics than we do about the grace of God. But these people, they continued, look in verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were steadfast in their motives to praise the Lord and to commend others unto salvation, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ through repentance, through granted repentance that they might be saved. They had favor with all the people. You see that as well, having favor with all the people. They behaved amongst each other with true and sincere love. I believe that they were notable, but sometimes the people of God are known amongst themselves or perceived that we do, that we have love, but by outsiders we can be considered unloving people. They walked according to their profession, though. And how is that? How is walking according to their profession? In general, the public didn't have a single accusation against 3,120 people. They didn't say, okay, well, that group left out of here yesterday and they left this place of shambles. There's, there's, there's drink bottles everywhere and napkins and, and graffiti on the walls. And did you hear the way that that person was behaving? Did you hear? Man, what a sight. These are, man, we got to keep these people out next time. No, these people were courteous. They were friendly. They were good-natured. I believe they were easy to talk to. I believe they walked according to their profession. In general, again, the public didn't have a single accusation against them. They didn't have an accusation against them, yet they did not join in with the public either, did they? It says they continued in one accord. They did not join in with the public. That's right. They could not be of singleness of heart with one another before God and in singleness of heart with the world. Be not of the world, but transformed. You know, that's what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. They weren't in the temple daily being conformed to this world, but they were in the temple daily in one accord, blessing God, praising God. But while at the same time they weren't transformed by the world, uh, conformed to the world, they were transformed. They were transformed by the renewing of their mind that they may be approved that it, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I believe as they were telling people to repent, they were telling people things that they might not have wanted to hear. Yet, they had no accusation against them. No accusation against them. These were two distinct groups. Two distinct groups of people in Jerusalem at this time. Again, repeating what what Peter had told them earlier in that chapter, I believe they were doing the same in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47a. Do we have room to grow in this? Absolutely. Sometimes I'm not easy to talk to. Sometimes you're not easy to talk to, right? Many times it's because the truth offends. And sometimes we think when somebody doesn't like what we're saying, it's because it's the truth and the truth alone. But sometimes it's not because of the truth that, that, that people don't like to talk to us, but maybe it's because we're sinners and we're expressing things in a sinful way and, and utilizing the works of the flesh in a contentious way rather than just broadcasting the message of God Almighty. I believe that they had favor with all the people. 
And I believe so, that they, that, uh, having favor with the people, that there was no accusation against them, but they, at the same time, they were agitating the people. What do you mean by that? Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold the next day, for it was now even time. Howbeit many of them, howbeit many of them, which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. So in addition to the hundred and twenty, and now the three thousand, now five thousand more, while they were in the temple and were were uh, had favor among all the people, it doesn't mean all the people liked what they had to say. It just means that there was no accusation against them. And the only accusation they had against these people in chapter 4 is what they were agitating the people against the, the idolatry that was in the legalism of the, uh, of the law. And also they were agitating the people and they thought that they were going to lose their power in the side of Rome. So, so you see there the line. They, they weren't there merely casting rocks at people. They were commending people unto the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. And it was disruptive to the religiously unsaved. But they did have favor among all the people and that there was no accusation that one could bring against them. But what a shame it is to conceal the glory of God to a lost and dying world and conceal it in my own sinfulness. Now these people give us, give us a pattern. They give me a pattern of how I ought to behave myself and that even when someone disagrees with me that they would have no, no case against me. May God help us in that. Children of God, we are to continue with one accord. We're to anticipate the coming of the Lord. We're to move with gladness and singleness of heart. We're to praise God in all that we do. And we're to follow that which the Lord said in, in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 16. And I believe this is what was happening there in Acts chapter 2. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What are the works of God? They believe in the name of the Son of God. May our light so shine. May, may we continue daily such as those did all those years ago. And by the same power of God and the salvation, by the same authority of practice in the local assembly, and with the same desire, the same zeal to see souls saved, may we continue daily. Sinner, you are also continuing daily. You adhere and you're devoted, you're constant. You're steadfast and attentive. You're unremitting. You're preserved and you faint not. You show yourself courageous. You, you truly do. And you are in constant readiness, but all for the wrong reasons. You're in constant readiness to die in your sins. You're in constant readiness to, to rely on your own self and your own good behavior and your own soul and your, and your own will and your own thoughts of religion. You're so continuing daily that one day, unless you are granted repentance, unless you call upon the name of the Lord unto salvation, you will lift up your eyes in torments. To continue in your dependence in your own self would be, would be detrimental to the soul, would be destructive to the soul. That path leads to judgment. The question that was asked in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Are you pricked in your heart? Do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see yourself as guilty before the Almighty? They said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Brother Joey, what shall we do? Peter returned to them, 
Peter, then Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent. Turn from yourself. Discontinue your daily observance of self-reliance. Call upon the name of the Lord, for whosoever it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent. Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.